your intention, Lord God, your heart to bless, to prosper. Father, I pray this morning that we wouldn't come to a place of apathy, a place of not even caring about your goodness, that we would go about our day not caring, not even thinking, not even worrying, not even bothering to, to say thank you. So this morning, Lord God, setting aside everything, all the things that, that are on our minds, all the things that are weighing us down, all the things that we think even bring us joy. This morning, Lord God, we come before you and we, we, we lay them down. We set them down and we say, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray this morning. For those here, Lord Jesus, that, that, that may not understand a relationship with you, Father, that they would know that it's not about the rules, the rotes, the do's, the don'ts, Lord God, but so much more about the heart and a relationship and getting to be with, in a relationship with a loving, good God. Father, I thank you for your revelation knowledge. It's in the name of your son that we pray this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Man, awesome, guys. Y'all turn around, give somebody a handshake, a good warm CF welcome. Y'all can go ahead and find your way to your seats. All right. I mean, I'm not going to give you too much time to shake a hand. Let's like real quick, shake it and then sit down. I'm, I'm kidding with you. It is great to have everybody here today. If you are a guest, if you're a guest in the seat back in front of you, should be a, uh, a card across the top of it. You'll see new here. We would love to have you fill that out. Um, if you fill that out, we promise not to spam you too much. Um, we will just send you a note saying thank you. We're glad that you chose to be here. What's up, Sam Paris? Welcome. Uh, and uh, I, 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 after that, I mean, maybe a couple more times, but not a whole lot, unless you give us permission to, and then you're you're in trouble. After that, it's just like it's game on, um, guys. It, uh, other announcements I have. I've got yes, but. Before the video, there's nothing else coming up that I needed to speak of or say. They threw a microphone in my hand this morning and said, listen, we're having internet trouble. We're having going online trouble, so, so it's on you to do this. I'm like, that's not my spot. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, oh, yes, that's a great point. Thank you very much, Pastor Greg. Uh, so yesterday, I, I want to give a huge shout out. We had a, uh, a men's work day, um, and there was a a phenomenal turnout of men that ended up, we ended up painting the full outside of this uh, ministry structure downtown as well as the inside, and there was a few gentlemen that had a little trouble freaking out which door went where when the labels that they had painted on them got painted, um, but after, after figuring out which hardware went on what door, it was a great day, uh, but man, guys, just a, a large turnout of people. And then last night, we had the, uh, the blessing of coming up here and, and enjoying a bunch of food uh, cooked for us. We had barbecue, just some men sitting around, hanging out, talking. It was a great time. So, gentlemen, we're going to be doing that again. Um, for all of you that didn't make it, yeah. 
We know who you are. Um, you know, we're we're going to definitely be having more. I know the women as well are planning another women's thing coming up here soon. Y'all be mindful of those. They're awesome, awesome opportunities just to meet new people. Um, I am going to go ahead and call my ushers forward. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. Uh, and then I'm going to roll our information video where they actually know what's going on. And we'll get going. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back into your kingdom for what you're doing right here through your people, Lord God. How you're using us to touch lives locally, Lord God, as well as throughout the nation, throughout the world. God, I thank you for your work in people's lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as they're passing that, I'm going to go ahead and roll the video. And then I, uh, I'm excited to say we've got my pastor, our overseer here, Ron Corzine, up to speak. I'll, uh, I'll have him come up right after the video, guys. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, I think that's one of the best introductions I've had in a long time. It's great to be here today. Glad you're here. Hot enough for everybody outside. This is not a funeral parlor. No, it is great to be here. A preacher was driving or riding his bicycle, rather, through a neighborhood on a Saturday evening, making a few last-minute contacts before Sunday. He came by a little boy who was sitting on the sidewalk, and he had a lawnmower there for sale. So the preacher stopped and talked to the little boy and said, uh, why are you selling your, your lawnmower? He said, well, I want to I get enough money that I can buy a bicycle. The preacher thought about it and said, you know what, I need a lawnmower, maybe... He said, maybe we can exchange my bicycle for your lawnmower. The little boy said, well, that, that might be workable. Can I, can I ride the bicycle? And so the little boy got on the bicycle and rode around a little while and came back and said, it's a deal. We'll swap. So he got on the bicycle, began to ride away, and the preacher thought, you know, I better just see if this lawnmower will start. And so he pulled, and he pulled, and it wouldn't start. And he said, hey, boy, come back here. This lawnmower, it won't start. The little boy said, oh, you, you, you need to understand, mister. You've you got to cuss that lawnmower in order to get it started. He said, you don't understand. He said, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm a preacher. And I've been so for a long time. And he said, I forgot how to cuss. The little boy said, you just keep pulling on that rope. It'll come back to you.
I don't don't know about you, but it is amazing sometimes things that come back to me. (laughs) And uh, hopefully a lot of them just stop in my mind. (laughs) Today I I want to talk to you about a passage of Scripture found in the book of Acts. And uh, I, I, I guess for a title or whatever, what moves you or... Or none of these things move me, and that title would be lifted simply right out of the text ex- text itself. And and even you know, I think about the times we're living in, where we're living in difficult days, hard times. But we're not. We're, if you stop and think about it, we're not living in hopeless times because our hope, our hope is in none other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the old hymns. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our hope is in the Lord. And I know there are times in our emotions and our feelings where we feel like all hope seems to be gone. There's no solution. This is over. It's finished. But it's never as long as we... Keep our hope and our confidence and our trust in the Lord. In this text in the book of Acts, Paul is uh, concluding his third missionary journey. And so so what he does here, he calls all of the Ephesian elders together. And he wants to give them a uh, a last message, possibly a goodbye, because he does not know what awaits him in the future when he gets to Jerusalem. And so this is what is written, found in the book of Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 22, and I read to you. And see now, Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies or warns in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The reality for all of us today is there are things that move us. I admit to you there are things that move me. Surely there are things that move you. I received a phone call a couple of weeks ago from my, from a good or a longtime friend in London, and he informed me that his daughter had pancreatic cancer. Now, as, look, kids are not supposed to die before their parents, okay? But this troubled him and it moved him, and that would move anyone. That I don't know how you could hear the message that your child has pancreatic cancer and not be moved or touched deeply. So look, let's go ahead and acknowledge up front that we can be moved. I want not to be moved by so many things, and some things really ought to move me. Some things ought to stir my passion where I rise up and say, that's enough. So we, we need to know what moves us, what should move us, and what shouldn't move us. But in this occasion, Paul, he, he's saying, I, I love it, he said, going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that'll happen or how things will turn out. I don't know about you, that's usually, not knowing really is one of the things that moves me most of all. If I know something, 
Somehow I, 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 be, I, I can take it to the Lord. I can start processing in my mind if I know something where it doesn't move me or it doesn't move me as much. But when I don't know, when I don't know how it's going to turn out, when I'm not sure what the, the final results would be, that's when generally we are most moved. So I kind of I want to look at Paul's life and uh, look at some of the things about his life and see how that we match up or how we are like Paul in many ways. And the first thing, I, I've jotted down four things, and then I'm going to launch out into making application. First of all, God had a purpose for Paul's life, which means that Paul, like you and me, a human, God loved him no more than he loves you and me. And therefore, if God had a purpose for Paul's life, then God has a purpose for your life. I don't know how many people I meet, they say, you know, Brother Ron, I just, I don't know what my purpose of even being here is. I, I, I wish I could discover my purpose. I, I, I don't know what my purpose is. So guess what? I'm going to tell you today what your purpose is. How's that? I know the purpose for everybody in this room, who, especially those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Uh, I know that purpose. You see, there is a specific purpose, and there is a general purpose. And so I want to I go, first of all, deal with the specific. I won't get into the generalities of your particular purpose, but I can say from Scripture what the, God's purpose is for our life. And here's, here's what it is. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'll quote uh, off and on. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Listen to this. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. What's my ministry? What's my purpose? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself. God was bringing the world back to himself. And now he left us here to be ministers of reconciliation, to be his representatives so that we can let our light so shine that others can see the good works that we do because of God's ability and strength in us and then we can take with us where we're all going in the end to heaven. So look, bottom line, that's your purpose, to be a representative, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ and to be the best testimony we can be in representing him. Another one of my favorite scriptures just came to mind here. Uh, Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he just doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, for we, you, me, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his handiwork. And he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. So, God has a purpose for your life, and that is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. A purpose. But God not only has a purpose for your life, God has a plan for your life. Uh, being a preacher today, we've got to put it all, we've got to be analytical, Corey, you know. And it makes it easier for us. But God has a purpose for our life. We know what that is, right? Everybody leaving here today know what God's purpose. I'm to be a representative of Jesus wherever I go. I'm to go about doing good and uh, 
carrying the presence of the Lord. But then God has a plan or plans for our life. Now, uh, Paul possibly remembered the Old Testament scripture because he knew it well of what Jeremiah said when Jeremiah said, for I, the Lord, know the plans that I have toward you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, let me address something here today because I, I, there are some Christians who live, seem to live negative lives. They're always waiting for the shoe to drop, for the next bad thing to happen to me. And here, if we could just understand that God says, look, I, I know the plans I have for you. My plans are not to harm you. I don't have evil plans to do you in. My plans for you are good. My plans for you is to prosper you, not to cause you to live any other way than being prospered by me. And there's other ways of prosperity than just financial prosperity too. Health is a, you can be healthy and that would be very prosperous, I would think, right? God says, I want you to prosper. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be helpful. I want you to be holy. I, 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 my plans for you are good. I'm not in it to harm you, but I want to give you a hope and a future. And we need to understand hope. I think that's one of, you know, what was her name? Uh, Springfield. Oh, she, a hoping, a praying. Did any of y'all, some of y'all don't even remember why. I just dated myself, didn't I, Lauren? Dusty Springfield. A wishing, a hoping, a praying. That was a confused girl. <laughs> wishing and, and hoping are not the same thing. Wishing and praying are not the same thing. Well, I just wish that would happen. That's not a prayer. My point is, let me just touch on hope just briefly because he says, my plan is to give you a hope and a future, a hope and a future. Well, where in the world does hope come from? We seem to say, well, I hope this happens tomorrow. I hope, I hope this will happen. I hope that will happen. I don't know if it will happen or not, but I hope it will. I hope it will. You know, I don't know, but maybe, maybe I hope. Look, hope is not that flimsy. Hope has an anchor. Hope doesn't come from anything in the future. Hope comes from the past. The reason I can have hope for tomorrow is because of what God did in the, my past. I'll give you an example. The reason David knew that he could take Goliath is because God helped him take a bear and a lion. And so when he faced Goliath, he said, You uncircumcised Philistine, you're, you're no match for me and my God. So how did he have hope for his future? How did he have hope to bring Goliath down? He had hope because God was with him in the past, and God brought him through, and he brought him into his a good future. And look, I don't know about anybody's past in here. Probably like m many of us, it's not really all pretty, all of it. True? <laughs> or am I just the only one confessing today? <laughs> I know confession's good for the soul and my soul, but I'm trying to help your soul out, too, and get you to maybe. So all of our past is not always pretty. But the fact is, God doesn't want us to live in our past. He wants us. He says, look, I've got plans for you. My plans is not to harm you, but to give you a good hope and a good future. 
you're, you're, I'm telling you, this is not just cliche. You can believe it or you can receive it and take hold of it. Your best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. You say, oh, boy, these are bad times we're living in. Look, Paul said that 2,000 years ago. Remember what Paul said in Timothy? In, he said, in the last days, perilous time would come. Men would be lovers of their own self, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, incontinent, fierce, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's what Paul said in Timothy about the day he lived in. And we said, oh, man, if it was the last days then, we probably are in the last days now. I don't believe we're in the last days now. I believe the times in which we're living are similar to the times that Paul talked about. I don't believe this thing's over yet. And if I live that way, it would be, if we live that way, it would be awful. You wouldn't even want to get up, you wouldn't even get up and go to work tomorrow. We have a hope and a future because God has plans and made plans for us. Another thing is, God has a, a path for you to stay on. You're not to get on somebody else's path. You're not to run somebody else's race. God says, I put you on, I marked out a path for you, and I want you to stay on your course. I don't want you to try to copy somebody else. I don't want you to go their speed, thinking you're behind and you need to catch up. I'm going to put you on this course. Let me read the scripture for us. It's... As for us, we have all great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that so easily we've fallen into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon, life's race, with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out for you. God has set the path. He set the course. He said, this is the course. This is the path. Get on the path. Call it a highway of holiness. Call it whatever you want. There's a path, and I want you to get on the path, and I want you to stay on the path. And the problem today, so many people get off the path. No, no condemnation, no guilt, just an acknowledgement. It's, it's, it's a good thing if you could acknowledge today, I'm off the path. I need to get back on the path. Uh, we, have a, we have a bike riding trail two blocks from our house. The only reason I know that is my wife told me. <clears throat> goes about 35 miles along the Trinity River. And it's, it's all concrete. It's neat, man. It's all concrete. But you can get off in the rough if you want to. But what little I know about bicycling, I would choose the concrete path, especially at 72 years old. That is only if I ever decided I wanted to do that which is unlikely. <laughs> you got it? God's marked out a path. We're on a course. We're headed somewhere. We're going somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. He has plans. He has purpose for our life. And he says, look, stay in your lane. If you've ever been to a track meet, you know that some lanes are six, some are eight lanes. They're marked out, each lane. You're disqualified if you get out of your lane on short races. Stay in your lane. So if I could say to somebody today, quit trying to be like her. Quit trying to be like him. Quit trying to do what they do, thinking if you do what they do, you'll get the same results that they do. It just doesn't work that way. Connect with God and 
stay on the path and hear his voice and let him lead you. Now, the last thing is another P. God has made a promise. So we've got purpose, we've got plans, we've got path, we've got promise. That's for me to remember. It's easy for me to remember. You know, everybody knows God's promise, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, I will go with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have a promise. The Lord is with us. He has plans and purposes for our life. He's put us on a path. He's going to protect us. He's going to preserve us. We're going to have some difficulty, some tribulation. Paul said, it's going to come with tribulation. I don't know what it is, but I know there's going to be adversity, and I know there's going to be tribulation. It's best for us to even think like that, that we're not going to get through life without any problems. Without problems, we're going to have, but we factor them into the fact that, yes, we're going to have adversity. We may have problems, but I cannot allow this to move me off the path. I cannot allow this to get me away from the plans that God has for me to the great future that he has for me. So therefore, God has made a promise. Now, let's see if I can start making this practical. And, and uh, I was telling the men last night, there are good sermons and there are long sermons, but there are no good long sermons. <laughs> and by the way, good doesn't get better longer. Or bad, bad doesn't get better longer. Isn't that the way it is? You told me, honey. She, she, she lets me know that, you know, bad doesn't get better longer. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> Here we go. Not, ever, not everywhere we're meant to go is going to be easy. It's not easy in this life. You can complain and moan and groan, but you can acknowledge what Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. But you also have an option, and that is to be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. Uh, Paul is going to Jerusalem. I don't know if you know. Well, you do know. You've heard it. Jer Jerusalem's not an easy place. That's where Jesus died, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was hard on the prophets. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them. How oft would I have gathered you together as a hen doth gather chicks, but you would not. Jerusalem killed Jesus. It was at Jerusalem Jesus died. It was at Jerusalem prophets died. Jerusalem wasn't an easy place. And Paul knew he was going to, to Jerusalem. And yet at the same time, this man, what is it inside of this man that says, none of these things move me? Now, I don't know what that is exactly. I mean, I know the Lord, but I don't know what else was going on in that guy's mind when he could say, none of these things move me. Tribulation, possible death, none of these things move me. And then, then we read the last part of the scripture. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear. Could it be possible sometimes that we count our lives too valuable, even more valuable than the purposes and plans of God? I'm going to slow down and just let us think about that. Could we value our own life and our own circumstances and our own situation? Could we value that more than the purpose and plans of God for our life? Could that be it? Could that be why Paul said, I'm not moved to what's going to happen to me. I'm not moved to what's going to happen to me. Because my life is not more dear to me than it is for God's purpose and plans for my life.
and the reason for me being able to get to Jerusalem. You know, a lot of people, they just, they just bail out when it gets going, gets rough. I understand, I understand that, but I also don't understand it because I guess I, I guess we were talking about hope a while ago. I guess I have so much evidence in my life personally, and maybe you, maybe you do too if you would evaluate and give some more thought to it. I have so much evidence in my life with all the things that's turned out not so pleasant. The fact that I'm still here on my feet today the fact that I'm still alive, the fact that I'm still in the race, the fact that I can even stand here and talk to you like this, uh, that's amazing to me. God is the one who keeps us alive, and yet so many people just want to be, look, if you're there today, please, I'm, I'm begging you, don't give up. It's not too late, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you more about that later. Uh, Another second thought, I'm just kind of moving along pretty fast here. When God calls you to go somewhere or to go forward or to do something, this is what I've discovered, see if it's not true with you. When God calls you to do something, to go forward, it may require you and probably will require you to leave something behind. It's hard to go somewhere and do something while you're holding on to where you are and what you're presently doing. You're going to be pulled. So in order to go where God wants you to go, to do what God wants you to do, you've got to let go of this and take hold of where he's leading you and where he's taking you. Now, that's going to be different for everyone here. I, I, I know it's easy, to, like I said, it's easy to get sidetracked, but each of you have your own testimony and your own story about how in order to get to this place, you had to leave where you were. Look, in 1976, I was a little Southern Baptist preacher. Uh, I was 25 years old. Don't do math on that right now, okay? Uh, and my wife and I accepted our first church in the Rio Grande Valley. That's in South Texas, uh, Harlingen, McAllen, South Padre Island, that area. We went to a little Baptist church there. It had about 75 people. Most of them were my age now that I am now 75 people and that was our first church we pastored our six years we loved it we loved the people because we were a young couple and very uh active we drew a lot of young people young people started coming babies started being born it, the church began to grow but after six years something happened to me now, whether you, I'm not going to go into detail. I'll just mention what it is. And some of you relate, and some of you may not. After about six years, I encountered the Holy Spirit in a new way. I was saved. I was indwelt by the Spirit. I was going to heaven when I died. But there was something passion, something missing in my life, the direction and leadership and energy of the Holy Spirit. And so I was what some people call baptized in the Holy Spirit. Other people say I was filled with the Spirit. Even though I had already been indwelt with the Spirit, I got full of the Spirit. Well, that didn't go well in the Southern Baptist Church. <laughs> I mean, I thought everybody was going to be excited for me. Man, this is going to be awesome. And they weren't excited about that at all. And so after six years of loving them and still loving them, I decided that the best thing to do 
would be to leave rather than to try to stir up trouble with my experience that I'd had. And so we lived, moved down the road about six, seven miles, four or five miles to a place called Harlingen, Texas. And that's where we began the first Christian Fellowship Church back in 1982. But listen, here's my point. To be where I am today, I had to leave where I was then. And if you want to go somewhere and you believe it's the Lord and you have confirmation in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you know it's the Lord, you better get moving. And don't be dragging all that old stuff with you from behind. God said to Abraham, Abraham, get up. And he called Abraham to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and to go to a place that Abraham had no idea what it was, where it was, what it looked like. And basically, he was not to take anybody with him. Wherever you're going, trust me, you're probably going to have to leave some things behind. And then the last thing I found that the Holy Spirit is the one who will accompany us to our final destination. The Holy Spirit will accompany us to our final destination. Now, let me just tell you what you can disagree. I, that doesn't matter. Go ahead. I don't mind you being wrong. So, <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually one who believes in the security of the believer. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I don't believe in that once saved, always saved. Well, let me word it a different way. I believe in the security of the believer. I believe God takes his children who believe in him and they place them in the hand of Jesus. And I think the hand of Jesus is in the hand of God. And I, according to John 10, nothing can get me out of, nothing can remove me from God's hand and God's plan for my life. I am secure and if you are a believer... You may think some bad thoughts, you may say some bad words, but you never got saved because you stopped saying those things. That wasn't the criteria for being saved. You stop this, you stop that, then I'll save you. No, that wasn't the criteria. So if it wasn't the criteria to save you, it won't be the criteria to get you kicked out. We're secure because our confidence in our faith is placed in Jesus Christ. And I, and I know that is, I know there's other sides to that too, but I find a lot more peace knowing that I'm secure every day when I wake up in the arms, in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not one little bumble or one little slip is going to cause me to lose out on what God has prepared for me. The Holy Spirit will help get you from there to here, and that is if you, here it is, if you don't quit. When my kids were growing up playing soccer and baseball, Dad, after about three weeks of practice, and Dad, I don't want to blue this anymore. Well, great. You don't have to next year. <laughs> I'm not going to raise some quitters. And I'm not going to listen to whiners. And they, my kids still love me. Actually, call me occasionally. <laughs> so it must, something must have worked. Don't be a quitter. If God promises to be with you, if he has a purpose for your life, he has plans for your life, he's put you on a path and he's given you the promise that he's never going to leave you, why in the world would you think about even quitting? Where are you going to get better odds from somebody than that? 
I love to tell the story. You've probably even heard it. I don't know. When you get old, you start repeating yourself. But I'll never, it, it, I'll never forget, and I love this. It was 1973. Uh, we were at Bible college, and Ann and I both were in college enrolled. We were going to school at the same time. We had one child. I was working part-time. She was taking care of the baby, and so without a making this a big deal it was tough uh and it got difficult we were in our third year fixing to graduate the man at the where i worked part-time was electrical shop where i hung fixtures and sold fixtures light fixtures to people and he had offered me a good salary if i just when i finished school if i just stay in springfield you'll just stay here i'm gonna i'm gonna you're a good salesman i'm gonna take care of you but that wasn't god's plan for my life but it was difficult and it was tempting and so I decided one day at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out of school today. I'm tired of not providing for my wife the way she needs to be provided for this is tough I'm just going to check out of school and give up and go get a good job and earn a decent salary and take care of my family and feed them and so that day I went to class and they had called a special chapel because we had an out, an out of town guest who, were going, who was going to speak, and the chapel was filled with about 1,000, 1,500 people that day. I was in the balcony. I'll never forget it. And uh, my mind was already calculating going to the administration's office as soon as the chapel was over, checking out, and going and look for a full-time job or renegotiate with my present boss. And so I, I wasn't paying attention to the speaker until he clapped his hand. And he said, listen to me. My God, I, I, yes, sir. He had my attention. And he wanted my attention, and I want your attention now. Because here's what he said that changed my life. He said, you don't determine a man or a woman's success by fame or fortune like the world does but by the amount of discouragement they can withstand and keep on standing. <sighs> this boy's mind had just been quitting until he made that statement. My heart was pierced. For you, I want to say it again, you don't determine a man or a woman's greatness by fame or fortune like the world does, but by the amount of discouragement you can withstand and keep on standing. And it was like a dagger went in my heart when he said that. You ever had the Holy Spirit piece your heart, convict you? I walked right on past the administrative office. I got in my car, changed clothes, got in my car, and went to my little part-time job downtown. It was a Friday evening. There was not, I'm not whining, I'm just telling you the story. There was not much food, if any, in the refrigerator. We kind of made a practice of $7 a week for groceries. The way you do that, let me help you. Some of y'all are there. You buy five cans of mackerel at 29 cents a can. <laughs> you buy the biggest bottle of ketchup you can to kill the taste of the mackerel. <laughs> and just a couple more little bitty items, and you're in, you're, you'll, you'll make it. It was a Friday afternoon. A lady walked in, and she was looking at fixtures, and I was waiting on her, and she said... Uh, I think I'd like that. We're having, we're having guests this weekend, and 
I think I'd like that fixture hung over my dining room before the guests get here. She said, can, can, if I purchase that, can you, get, can you get that today? And I said, ma'am, it's Friday. This is Friday afternoon. She said, our, our guys don't work on Saturday. And then I remember what my boss told me. If you ever pick up a little job, feel free. It's just something like hanging a fixture. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will come out after work and bring the fixture with me, and I'll hang it over your dining room for $20. She said, will you? I said, I will. And I did. While I was there hanging the fixture, I didn't tell her my situation, what we were going through. She knew nothing. All she knew is my wife and I were students at Baptist Bible College. That's all she knew. But when I finished hanging the fixture, she gave me twice as much as I asked. And I said, whoa, whoa wait a minute. We agreed on this. That's, that's all. She said, I know, but I'm impressed by someone else to give you more. And I said, okay. I went to put my tools in the car, fixing to drive away, and she stuck her head out the door. And she said, wait, wait just a minute. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Please wait. And probably it was 10 to 15 minutes before she came back to the door, and she said, come here. And she took me to the dining room table, and she had filled a huge box of food that we had some of that stuff we hadn't seen in a long time. I just know it didn't look like mackerel. <laughs> and I loaded that box in our car. And you know me, you know what you do when usually tears start flowing down your eyes because you've seen the provision of the Lord. You've seen him work in your behalf when nobody else knew but him what you were going through. And he came through, and I'm telling you today, he'll come through every time if you won't, if you'll just wait, if you just won't give up. It happened to me the day I didn't quit. That's what I tell people. It happened on the day I didn't quit. That's probably when it'll happen for you. Look, God is never late. He's always on time. You think he's late. He's always on time. And sometimes what he's doing, he's not checking to see what you'll do. He knows what you'll do. He wants you to know what you are able of doing with his help. I don't know where you are. You may be on the verge of quitting your marriage, quitting your job, quitting life. I don't, but people are in all kinds of positions and places at all times in their life. They're, they're, I, I've preached to people who were on the verge of taking their life, who were quitting their marriage, who were quitting their jobs, who were... I don't know where you are, but I'm telling you, God is faithful. I've seen it. I've seen it, I've seen it, and I've seen it again. God is faithful. And all we have to do is wait upon the Lord for his timing, and he'll come through every time, maybe not even the way you expected it, but sometimes his ways are higher. Not just sometimes, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, and he cares for every one of us. Let's pray. Father, I pray, oh, before I pray, I want to do this. I, I want to pray. But I want to pray more specifically for maybe somebody who's struggling right now with some of the things I said. I, you may be on the verge of just throwing it. I don't know where you are. There's nothing to be ashamed about. If, in fact, the way you get help is by acknowledging you need help. That's how you get help. If you could use a prayer right now about what you're going through, that the Lord would give you strength not to give up and not to quit. 
but to persevere. If that could, if that could apply to you and you could use a prayer, I'm going to let my closing prayer be for you who are willing to stand to your feet right now and ashamed. Say, I need prayer. wait just a moment more. I usually know people need to give it a little thought and process it. It's very possible that nobody else in this room knows where you are and what you're going through. And we really don't need to know. To be honest, we really don't. I never was. I just trust God. He knows what you're going through. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, he knows everything about you. He knows more about your past and knows more even about your future than you do. And I'm telling you right now, he loves you and nothing is going to be able to separate you from his love. Know this, whatever you've done, listen, whatever you've done is not bigger than his love and compassion for you. Don't think he's punishing you. He does chastise to keep us on the path. But I'm telling you, he loves you right now, and I'm going to pray. That God, who sees what you're going through, will encourage and strengthen your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man in the room, every woman in the room, every young person in the room. Lord, I, I pray for all, but I especially pray for these who have responded to this call. Who had the courage to stand up and say, that's me. I've entertained quitting. I've not always responded. I've let too many things move me when I shouldn't be moved because I value my life so much, even more than God's plan for my life. Lord, I pray right now that you would strengthen and encourage the heart of every person standing. Let them know that you know, and it hasn't changed one bit. Father, how you think about them and how you see them and have the plans to prosper them and not to punish them or harm them, but to bring them to a great future with great hope. Lift their spirits today and let them see that you're God and there's none other than you and you alone are able to meet them. And they're able to walk out of this building today carrying your presence with full joy, unspeakable joy, as the scripture says, full of glory. Let them leave this room today with hope in their heart, faith in their heart, as they walk the path that you marked out for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Would the rest of you stand here for just a moment? I want to bless you before you go. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands. I pronounce a blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May grace and the goodness and kindness of the Lord be with you as you carry a smile into the work week. In Jesus' name, go blessed. Amen. Have a great week.